Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. We are letting the good times roll. We're still talking about food here. Today's going to be a follow-up to my Instagram post from last week where I said, attention, Trader Joe's shoppers, check the ingredient label on all your kids' snacks. How many of them contain sugar or vegetable and seed oils? report back. And I specifically called out Trader Joe's for no other reason than to grab people's attention. Uh, It was, this post was prompted by a conversation that I had with a friend. She was so frustrated. She's like, what's the deal with Trader Joe's? All their snacks have added sugar and low quality oils. Um, But it kind of goes for any grocery store. So you don't have to be a Trader Joe's shopper to do this. Um, I know not everybody that listens to this podcast is also on Instagram and vice versa. So I'm curious if you've done this, if you haven't, go do it. Just check it, peep it. Um, I do kind of think that there's like this assumption, this like low-key assumption that if food is coming from Trader Joe's, that it's got to be healthy, like Trader Joe's is like a health food store, which it's not. I mean, do they sell healthy food? Sure, yeah, but not everything that comes out of that store would be considered a quote-unquote health food. And when I say this, the intention is not to overwhelm. It's really to make us more collectively aware of our food system and how pervasive these things are. Added sugars, refined sugars, and then the vegetable and the seed oils. How frequently they're used in the foods that we eat and the foods that we purchase and therefore, how often our kiddos are consuming them. Now, I know not everybody that listens to this podcast is a parent, totally fine. Um, but chances are, if you listen to this podcast, you do eat. So I'll talk, you know, about food. So if you have kids, this extends to them. If you don't, this extends to you too. Awareness is always the first step to change. So we have to be aware of our behavior before we can change it. We have to be aware of our consumption before we change it. So that's really what this post was asking you to do. Like start to become aware of how omnipresent these things are in our food system. And then also pay special attention to the greenwashed healthy brands because you might be surprised at what you find. Companies like Amy's or Annie's, those those companies that perhaps you're going out of your way to purchase because you think that they're healthy, they all contain these ingredients. Uh, and there are very, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of names for sugar. So I'm going to read you a list. And if you like having a graphic, a visual to go with it, you can find this on Instagram. Agave, this is not an exhaustive list, by the way. It's what I could fit on this infographic, but I'm going to read through them. Agave, barley malt, brown rice syrup, cane sugar, cane juice, malt syrup, dextrose, fructose, sucrose, all names for sugar, high fructose corn syrup, anything that's corn syrup, corn sugar, corn solids, any of that, it's all sugar. Um, Tapioca syrup, tapioca solids, sugar, coconut sugar and nectar. But isn't coconut sugar healthy? Isn't that one supposed to be good for us? Yeah, it's still sugar. It's still sugar. Dextrin, maltodextrin, fruit juice concentrate, uh, turbinado, beet, date sugars, all sugars, honey and molasses, whole food sweeteners, also sugars. Um, and the, the purpose of this in a, a trick of the, the food industry trade is that they kind of add lots of different types of sugars. So the, the very first thing, and most of you guys are most likely conscious consumers, and so you probably already know this. If you don't, it's a really good thing to understand. This is actually what I'm 
teaching my seven-year-old right now because uh, she's asking these type of questions because um, she's like, what are you looking at when you're looking at the ingredient list? I'm looking to see if sugar is one of the first three ingredients because they list the ingredients by weight. So if sugar is on the top three or one of those things that I just mentioned is on the top three, yikes, we have a problem. That's a high sugar food. Um, just by weight, by volume, it's a lot of sugar. So what the food industry does is they add different types of sugars and they space them out so they can be uh, further on down the list. I know I've talked about this premise before on the show, but it's a good one um, to understand. So I also had you look for different vegetable oils, quote unquote, vegetable oils. These are really the refined industrial seed oils. So we have sunflower oil, oil, safflower oil, canola oil. Canola and rapeseed oil is the same thing. I did get a question about that last week. Same exact thing. Uh, rapeseed is the name of the plant. It's not great. It's not like an awesome name for selling purposes. So canola it is. Uh, canola just sounds a little bit better. Soybean oil, cottonseed oil, corn oil. All of these are things that I want you to look at and pay attention to on the ingredient list of your food. And you'll, if you haven't done this yet, you'll notice, yikes, it's in a lot of our food. So today, this is not going to be like a high level episode where I dive deep into the science. You know, that's my jam. That's why I love, that's what I love to do. It's why I have this podcast so I can have a platform to explore all these big things. The purpose of this show in recent episodes are to reduce the overwhelm, right? In that town hall episode two weeks ago, I said, stop being overrun by overwhelm. A friend of mine said, hey, that that quote really stuck out at me because I have to, you know, I have to stop this. Like this is this is something I have to do. I can't just keep chalking it up to I'm so overwhelmed, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm so overwhelmed. At some point we kind of have to like stick something in the wheel spoke so it stops. You know, we just keep going on and on and on this trajectory. So we have to stop being overrun by overwhelm. Really what I want to do is give you actionable steps in today's show. I want you to become aware of how much of these things you and potentially your family consume. That's the first step. Awareness is the first step to change. And then number two is to make strides to get them out of your diet. If you want me to boil down healthy eating to like bare bones arguably two of the most important things you can do to get the most bang for your buck, make big improvements quickly. One, remove refined sugar. Remove it. Get it out of there. Two, remove these seed oils. These are two of the best dietary changes that you can make, okay? Seriously. I've been talking about it for years and years and years. There's a reason for it. And if you're thinking, but these ingredients are in everything I buy, there in which lies the problem, right? Yikes. This requires a total shift, a total shift where we move away from eating the majority of our food out of a bag or out of a box and we start eating more whole foods. Stay till the end because I'm going to mention some specific uh, brands that I like. I'm going to mention some specific snack foods for your kiddos because that's the big one. It's like this perpetual snacking, whether you're a child or an adult, there's this perpetual snacking. A little bit more normal for kiddos, (laughs) not ideal for adults, not ideal to constantly be eating around the clock. It's really not how our bodies are designed. Now, there's always caveats to everything that I say. Um, If you do struggle with hypoglycemia, Um, If you really struggle with regulating your blood sugar, if there's some adrenal involvement in that, then it actually does make sense for you to eat every two to three hours. But for the vast majority of us, feeding ourselves all day long is not doing us any favors. It really isn't. Uh, It doesn't allow certain things to function appropriately. But again, I'm not going to get into the details (laughs) because this is not a high level. I'm going to try to hold myself to to that task, not get into the nitty gritty. Okay. Now, before we continue on with this conversation, I do want to take a quick pivot and do a little pep talk. As we continue to navigate this conversation, I will say that this is usually the part of the convo where the wheels start to come off the train because we're, we're, we're collecting information and we're understanding like, oh boy, if I really want to achieve my goals, then this is going to require some big change. And then we get overwhelmed. Now, chances are, if you're here, whether you're a longtime listener or you're new to the show, and if you are, hey, welcome, uh, one of your goals is most likely your health or the health of your family. And to that end, um, one of those goals is 
changing the food that you're eating, changing the food that your family is eating. And I get how overwhelming this can feel. I truly do. Um, Definitely go back and listen to the podcast that I did two weeks ago called Town Hall, if you haven't done that already because it's going to give you some grist for the mill to actually make those changes. Now, there's something you should know about me. Um, IRL, in real life, with my f- close friends and my loved ones, I am definitely more of that like tough love friend where I am not going to let you argue for your own limitations. I am not going to let you sleep on your come up. If you tell me you have a goal, I'm going to fight for that goal and I'm going to hold you accountable to that goal. I don't really do that too, too much on the podcast simply because it's not a one-on-one conversation, right? I'm speaking to a large group of people with your own unique set of challenges. However, one thing that I can say for certain, because I see it so, so, so much, is that we love to do two things. One, we love to argue for our own limitations. And two, we're really good at making somebody out to be extraordinary to let us off the hook from doing the thing that we want to do, doing the damn thing. I first heard this quote from Lisa Nichols, I believe. Don't make other people extraordinary to let you off the hook. What that means is don't invent a laundry list of reasons why it's easier for them. Oh, she can do it because blah, 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 right? We, we create this, 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 this story that we tell ourselves of why it's so much easier for everybody else to do the thing that we want to do. We argue for our own limitations. We come up with all the buts, right? But I can't do it because, but I can't do it because. We're never going to make forward momentum if we're constantly arguing for our own limitations. That's the truth. And what I will tell you uh, is that healthy eating in modern day, it's not easy for anybody. You know, do certain people have different sets of challenges? Absolutely, without a doubt, I won't question that. We talked about that a bit on the the town hall episode. But for the most part, healthy eating in modern day world is a challenge for everybody because you're fighting an uphill battle, right? This is not the status quo. This is not how the vast majority of people eat. That's why we're in such an you know, such a, such a situation with our collective health. Um, so I will tell you that if you see somebody who is making changes to eat healthy or has, you know, is already eating a whole foods based diet, realize that they're doing that because it's important to them. They're doing that because it's a priority to them. They're doing that because they've put their health on a pedestal and chances are they've had to make other sacrifices in their life in order to do that, right? So we have to drop the story that it's easy for everybody but us. We cannot simultaneously argue for our own limitations and affect change. The two cannot coexist. So my suggestion to you, if these thoughts start to pop up as you're listening to today's show or any show that I do, rather than come up with all the ways why this is hard or all the reasons that you can't do it, create a list of things that you can do. It doesn't have to be a long list. It can be one thing, one thing to affect change, one thing to make forward momentum, one thing. That's it. We have to change the way that our brain approaches challenges. If you show up to every challenge with a laundry list of all the reasons why you can't do it, you're not going to do it. If you show up to a challenge with one thing that you can do, hey, guess what? you're starting to make change. And that's what I hope for you in listening to today's show. Let's take a quick break to thank our show sponsor, BioCult. Their boosted product is a multi-strain probiotic, four times the concentration of the original formula, which is why I prefer it. All of their probiotic strains are backed by clinical research. It really makes a great everyday probiotic. I just had somebody on Instagram reach out and say, this stuff has changed me. Thank you. So it's a great product. And the cool thing about it is that there's no need to refrigerate it. So you can take it with you when you're traveling, which I highly recommend because most of our guts get really jacked up when we're off our schedule, when we're traveling, when we're doing things that we don't normally do. So taking a probiotic with you is a good bet. You can give it to your kiddos. Those, uh, the capsules can break apart. You can sprinkle it into yogurt or oatmeal or add it to a drink. This is what I do for Hattie. I put in a little shot glass with a bit of water and she just shoots it down. So head to their website using the link in our show notes. Use code FUNK15 to save 15% off of your order. 
And we got to shout out our show sponsor and local friend, Coyote River Hemp Co. I've known the owner, Ryan, going all the way back over a decade, way back to my health food store days. So I know them personally. I use this company personally. They are committed to regenerative farming practices. So they're giving more than they take, giving more back to the land than they take. And I want you to understand that not all CBD products are created equally. So you always have to be a savvy consumer if you're utilizing CBD. A common question that people will ask is, what dose do I start out with? And uh, Coyote River always recommends same thing that I do. Start low and go slow. Start with a low dose, slowly work your way up to the results that you're after. It can take a few weeks of consistently using CBD for uh, your body to fully recognize it. So it is a good daily routine. I suggest starting with Coyote River 500 milligram hemp tincture. You can um, titrate that dose up or down. I also really dig the nighttime formula. It has 500 milligrams of CBD and 100 milligrams of CBN, and it really helps with sleep. I've gotten a lot of feedback from folks, and you are doing well with it. So head over to their website, coyoteriverhempco.com. Use code FUNK10 to save you 15%. And just remember that the support from our sponsors allow the Functional Nutrition Podcast to continue to pump out new content. So we thank them, and we hope that you support them too. This isn't going to be a high-level episode, um, but I do want to answer a couple of listener questions that came in specifically about these... these, um, these ingredients that I was talking about. If you want a deeper dive into fats and oils and the science behind the whys, go to episode three. Yeah, you heard me three all the way back to October 2nd, 2017, four years ago. One of the very first episodes, uh, we talked about cooking fats in oils. It's such an important concept that it was the third thing we discussed on this podcast ever. Minute marker 1240, we start talking about fats and oils, the science behind the whys. We answer listener questions. So you can skip right through all the the, the banter. Um, I When I started this podcast, um, my friend Kyle was a co-host. And so we, we used to banter a bit. So you can skip through that if you don't want to hear it and get right to the juice. Uh, I also, if you, if you're somebody who needs a little bit of help with, uh, who does well with more of a program, more structure, you can sign up for my eat to achieve program. It's $99. It's, it's a self-study program, but we get into all of the whys behind the recommendations. Um, if you like doing live programs. My next carb compatibility project will start in January. So anyway, when I posted this on Instagram, I did have a lot of questions that came in about oils and fats. And there's just a lot of confusion. And I I get it because um, our thought process, our collective thought process, what we've been told about fats has changed quite significantly over the years. So the old party line used to be saturated fats are bad. They will kill you dead. And so what we did is we started pulling out natural whole food fat sources and we replaced them with man-made fats. And those will actually actually kill you. Trans fats, remember trans fats? Remember trans fats? We know that trans fats actually do increase the risk of heart disease. And something important to understand why fats are so essential, fatty acids and cholesterol are necessary to build out our own cells. Every cell in your body that you make, whether it's a brain cell or liver cell, whatever, they they all have a cell membrane and those cell membranes are made up of fatty acids. And so the fat that we're eating, you bet your ass it's super duper important. If we're building out cells with the fat that we eat, you make you want to make sure it's good fat, right? So when trans fats, those old school trans fats, not even old school, they just came out of the, the food system like a hot minute ago. When trans fats got incorporated into cells, they made the cells really stiff, really rigid, and that caused arteries to stiffen, which increases cardiovascular disease risk. Um, So in 2015, the FDA was like, oh, this is not good. And it pulled out trans fats from all foods. And then it gave food manufacturers three years to do it. So we realized it was bad, not good. And they were like, "Um, okay, manufacturers, you have three years to remove this essentially toxic substance from the food source. So those are making their way out of the food system. Thank goodness. But we switched over from saturated whole food fats to manufactured 
man-made fats because they were supposed to be healthier. Now, vegetable oils is um, kind of promoted and pushed on us as a heart-healthy option. And first of all, I call BS because they're not even vegetable oils. Calling them that is cute, though. It makes it sound like extra healthy, like you just like squeezed a zucchini and you got these beautiful oils from it. But it's not, right? Canola, rapeseed, not a veggie. Corn, not a veggie. Cotton, not a veggie. Soy, not a veggie. So let's just call them what they are. They're industrial refined oils. Now we had a very good listener question came in and Olivia was so kind as to submit it through the appropriate channels, which is through the website. So Olivia wrote in new listener here. I am slightly confused because in several health podcasts, including yours, I am hearing not to consume sunflower oil oil. However, as an alternative to peanut butter, we are advised to use sun butter in the ingredients. Sun butter contains sunflower oil. You mentioned that sun butter is your latest obsession in the What I Eat Daily blog post. Can you advise if sun butter is a safe alternative for kiddos? So first of all, Olivia has like done her homework because I haven't eaten a What I Eat in a Day blog post in years. So she's been doing a deep dive on my website. So props to you. And right, you're hearing this over and over again that sunflower oil is no bueno because it's not. Sunflower oil and sun butter or sunflower seed butter. Gosh, yeah, sun butter is the like the, the quick and dirty. I don't know if that's the brand name or whatever. But essentially what sunflower seed butter or sun butter is, is it sun, sunflower seeds ground down. Just like we take peanut butter or peanuts and we grind them down into peanut butter, it's the same deal. Now, I do always recommend that any nut butter or seed butter that you purchase does not have additional oils added to it. So that includes your peanut butter, your cashew butter, your sun butter, anything. Um, It really shouldn't have additional oils added to it or sugar. Sometimes sun butter is sweetened. So ideally, it doesn't have any of that, any extra. It's just the nut or the seed ground down. Like you can DIY a sun butter. You could add sun flower seeds, raw sunflower seeds to a, um, a food processor and grind them up. I mean, it would take a while, but you could do that, right? So that's what sun butter is. And that's why it's fine. It's a whole food just ground down. Sunflower oil, oh, that's a horse of a different color. Totally different, totally different thing. Sunflower oil and all of these industrial seed oils is made with a tremendous amount of processing and chemical extraction usually. So it uses industrialized machines and chemical solvents. This isn't like a natural process like they would have you believe, like you're running through the sunflower fields, picking flowers and just like squeezing out the oil with your hand. Like you can do that with an olive. You can't do that with a sunflower seed, right? So sunflower seed oil, like all the other industrial seed oils. It's heavily processed. It's unstable and it's a pro-inflammatory fat. This is at the end of the day why I do not recommend consuming these things. High consumption of these oils really puts our body in a more pro-inflammatory state. It, It throws off the ratio of our fatty acids. Now, is a little bit of this going to outright kill you? Like, is it a toxin in and of itself? No. But... But if most of what you're buying and consuming contains these oils, then hey, guess what? A little bit adds up to a whole lot. So if you're looking at all the snacks that you buy or all the packaged foods that you buy that you're eating and your kiddos are eating and they all contain these oils, then hey, most of the food that you're eating contains these oils. You're eating a lot of these oils. This is not good. These oils are used because they are cheap, not because they promote health. Don't let them lie to you, kid. Don't let them lie to you. These are not heart healthy. These are not health promotive. They're cheap. They're cheap, 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 cheap. We manufacture food to be cheap. We do not manufacture food with health in mind. Okay. So let's just get that right out of the, right out of the way. Um, so when we switched over the food source or like our, our, you know, the main fat in our food from saturated to manufactured man-made fats, because they were healthier, 
wouldn't you expect people to get healthier? Well, saturated fats are going to kill you dead. We're going to manufacture these, these synthetic oils that are healthier. Wouldn't you expect the population to get healthier? Well, that's not what happened. That isn't what happened at all. We made this huge, broad sweeping change to our food system. And as a nation, we collectively got less healthy, right? We discussed that two weeks ago in the town hall episode. People are getting sicker. People are not getting more healthy, right? So, so th that argument kind of loses its legs a little bit. Hey, let's take a quick break so we can talk about low sugar nutrition. I'm always looking for kind of quick and dirty ways to pack in extra nutrition, polyphenols, antioxidants, fibers for my gut, and even herbs for my stress response, like the more adaptogens, the better, which is why I use Organifi powders every day, several times a day. I love to put them into my water. This is great if you're one of those people that struggles to just get enough hydration, get enough water. And if you feel like water's really boring, these powders can zhuzh it up for you. My kiddo loves them. She feels like she's drinking juice. I also throw them into my smoothies just as a way to get some extra nutrition. My personal favorite is the red juice. So it has lots of different red powders Things like acai, cranberry, pomegranate, strawberry, raspberry, blueberry, all of those polyphenol-rich red and blue powders. And if you've listened to the show or you've seen me on Instagram, you've heard me talk about the benefits of these powders. They feed a very unique and particular type of bacteria in your gut called acromantia. Acromantia is a keystone player. It's wicked important for keeping your gut healthy and strong. It prevents leaky gut. It also is very important for metabolic health and insulin signaling and controlling blood sugar. Now, unfortunately, I do a lot of stool tests on people and see that acromantia is low, sometimes even below detectable limits. That's a real bummer. Some of the bacteria in our guts are little piggies. They'll eat anything. And then some bacteria are more like snobby foodies that will only eat specific things. This acromantia bacteria loves to eat red polyphenols. So the more red foods you can eat, the better. And getting red powders is super important as well. So the red juice is something that you can grab super easy and it's low sugar. All of Organifi's powders are under three grams of sugar per serving. And most of them offer up fiber as well to counteract any spike in blood sugar. So highly recommend. I throw them in my smoothie so I can pack in a bunch of veggies without adding a ton of fruit that might spike my blood sugar. And I can still make them sweet and palatable. Go to Organifi's website, Organifi.com. You can click the link in the show notes. Be sure to use the code FUNK. It will save you 20% off of every single order you ever place. You get a good deal and you get to support all the good things in your body too. And then it really comes down to stability. And again, I go into that in episode three, which fats are more stable? Instability is not a good thing when it comes to our fats. We don't want our fats to oxidize, to get rancid, to go off. That's not good. We cannot be consuming like uh, rancid oils. It's very bad for our bodies. Saturated fats are very stable. So that's why you'll hear a lot of folks in the, you know, the health and wellness camp talking about using saturated fats because they're very stable. They hold up to air, light, heat. You can cook with them. Um, and for the most part, with research coming out, we've been able to throw out the blanket statement that saturated fats causes heart disease. Now, for some people, it might be true based on genetics, but I, we can't just say nobody should be eating saturated fats because it's going to hurt your heart. It's, 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 it's just too oversimplified. We cannot do that with food. Here's a quote from Rhonda Patrick that I really love. And I think, you know, I could say this in a different way, but why reinvent the wheel? Because she really gets the point across. The way our bodies respond to food is complicated by genetics. That's why it's unlikely to find the one true diet to rule them all. Throughout human history, diet has been dictated according to geography. 
When you live in a certain part of the pre-industrialized world, you only have certain foods available to you. And the foods you have available to you will have different compositions. They will have different macronutrients, micronutrients. Some populations may have even eaten more animal products, some less. Within a given region, it's reasonable to expect that over time, people would, over generations, adapt to be able to tolerate very different nutrient thresholds. What a doozy, you know, what a doozy of a statement. And it's so, so true. This is the theory anyway, right? This is the theory and it makes sense. It makes good sense. And this is why there's so many different, different opinions on the right diet. It, it, it's, if only it were that easy, right? If it only were that easy to nail down the right diet. And so when it comes to saturated fats, there are actually specific examples where I have people come off saturated fats, short-term or long-term, but that's truly based on what's going on with the individual. You know, I've said this before, like intermittent fasting, for example, I have told clients, Hey, you need to stop intermittent fasting. This is not working for your system. Whereas other people I've said, I've actually suggested intermittent fasting as a therapeutic intervention. So this type of nuance is very hard to deliver in podcast format or in any type of, um, you know, general information. This is truly the work that, that is done with one-on-one clients, right? Based on their functional labs and symptoms that they're dealing with. And if that's something that you're interested in, you can find the application form to work with me one-on-one at my website, erinholthealth.com forward slash membership. Um, but if you're like, okay, my head is like swimming right now. All of this nuance feels so overwhelming. I get it. This is why I suggest that you keep it simple. Eat whole foods, right? Don't worry so much about splitting hairs. Eat like your ancestors ate. And I love, I heard Zach Bush say this a couple of years ago on a podcast and I love it. And he's like, you don't have to go as far back as like your Paleolithic ancestors either, you know? Um, He talked about the World War II victory gardens and he's like, up until that point, we were growing a lot of our own food. You know, we just have to get it back that far, right? That far where we're consuming most of the food that we consume is in its whole form. It is not in a box or a bag or a package. It's not laced with tons and tons and tons of refined sugar or tons of industrial seed oils. You know, they, they didn't even exist back then. I'm pretty sure. So anyway, back to saturated fats. Some argue that saturated fats were kind of like the scapegoat for refined sugar because observationally, when people remove saturated fats, this ends up resulting in consuming more packaged refined foods, more sugars, because saturated fats are packaged up in whole foods for the most part, right? animals or coconut or something like that. So when you pull whole foods out of your diet, you're not left with much other option than to replace it with more packaged refined foods. And so this actually does lead to shifts in the body, like higher inflammation, increased small dense density, LDL cholesterol, like that's not like the, it's like the, the bad cholesterol. And, and those are risk factors for heart disease. And then if we're increasing our sugar, But simultaneously, we know that this actually does put us at a greater risk of heart attack and heart disease. So increased intake of high fructose corn syrup and sucrose is linked to a 35% greater risk. So, hey, guess what? (laughs) Like, It's not just the saturated fat. That's not the only thing we have to look at. Um, Those with the highest intake of refined sugar has a fourfold increase of heart attack. So listen, we have to really pay attention to sugar. And bear with me for one more minute, and then we're going to get into like food specific stuff. But refined sugar does some gnarly things. It increases dopamine in reward pathways in the brain. So it does make it a little bit more challenging to quit, like to just kind of cold turkey sugar. Um, Consumption of refined sugar can make notable changes in the brain. And when we stop consuming refined sugar, it actually makes normal whole foods taste sweeter. So I've noticed that some kiddos who eat a lot of refined 
uh, sugar in a lot of processed foods, they don't actually, they're, you know, it's like kind of chalked up as picky eating. And listen, I know picky eating is like a real thing. And I know there's textural issues and, and all of that. I'm looking uh, into somebody coming on the show to speak to that because that's out, outside my wheelhouse. But, um, you know, if, if, a, if, a child or an adult is so used to consuming these hyper palatable foods in tons of refined sugar, then something like a roasted chicken breast or a boiled potato, it's not going to taste good. So taking refined sugar out of the equation actually allows our, um, allows our like whole foods to taste better and to even taste sweeter. We know that a high intake of refined sugar is going to increase blood sugar. It's going to increase insulin resistance. It's going to put us at more of a risk for metabolic dysfunction. Um, we talked about that on the town hall episode. High blood sugar is also associated with brain issues, with brain atrophy, with heart disease, with Alzheimer's. So listen, in like we have to, we have to address the amount of sugar that we're consuming. And the follow-up question to this is always about like, what about fruit? right? Fructose from fruit is not the same thing as high fructose corn syrup. So don't worry about that. I'm a fan of fruit. I'm a fan of you eating it as an adult. I'm a fan of your kiddos eating it. Fruit is not what we're talking about in this picture. I'm really talking about refined sugars that's added to processed food for the most part. And then the the second follow-up question is usually, well, what about whole food sweeteners like maple syrup, honey, coconut sugar, dates? And listen, these are the sweeteners that I use in my house. We don't even have white sugar in my house. Why? When would I ever use it? I never need to use it. I never need to have that stuff in my house. But the ultimate goal is still to reduce overall sugar consumption. So just because it's a whole food doesn't mean you necessarily need to go buck wild. But this, these are definitely, if you're baking or if you're like making oatmeal or if you're, you know, and you want to stir, stir some maple syrup into it or um, you're making tea and you want to add a little honey, yeah, totally. Like I'm down with that. And then the oils that I use in my home for cooking purposes, ghee, which is clarified butter. I personally have to purchase casein and lactose free ghee, um, coconut oil, avocado oil, olive oil, palm kernel oil. When you're purchasing palm kernel oil, you want to make sure that it is sustainably produced. That's really important. Um, and then olive oil, you want to make sure that you're getting actual olive oil. A lot of olive oil is cut with, um, things that are not olive oil, other types of oils. Um, And you always want to buy your oils in dark glass. So like green glass is is a really good bet uh, because oils oxidate um, or oxidize when they're exposed to light. So keeping it in a darker container helps to prevent that. And then also we don't want our oils um, in plastic because it will leach the plasticizers into the oil. So we want to remove our food from plastic as much as possible. Um, tallow is another great, good cooking option. It's stable. It's a saturated fat. I'm not a fan of the taste. So personally, I don't use it, but that could be great. You, of course, if you're going to use tallow, you want to make sure it's from a grass fed source because animals store, just like humans store a lot of toxins in their fat tissue. And so if we're going to be using fat from animals, we want to make sure that it's a, you know, it's a well-sourced animal for a a cow, for example, we want to make sure it's grass fed, um, pasture raised, all that jazz. Again, these are all concepts that I've explored in depth. I know I'm kind of cruising through these like really big concepts, but this isn't, you know, I just want to touch on these things. There's a lot more to explore uh, in the podcast if you want a deeper dive into all these concepts, or you could grab my Eat to Achieve program as well. So let's talk about snacks. I will say I have a lot of content on Instagram. If you want to like, if you're a visual learner and you want to like see these things in action, um, my highlights on Instagram, I have a Hattie, uh, <laughs> a hashtag Hattie lunch, uh, where I, I talk about a lot of this stuff. These are going to be snacks for your kiddos because that was another one of the big questions that I got is like, okay, I'm noticing that my kids snacks have all these bunk ingredients that I don't want. What's the next step? What do I do? And unfortunately it's not as simple as just buying different types of packaged foods. I wish it were. Uh, We have to kind of be Johnny on the spot when it comes to these companies because they're changing all of the time. So we might fall in love with one company and they might have great ingredients. And then all of a sudden you check the ingredients two years later and you're like, what the hell? So sometimes these companies get bought out by bigger food companies and then they switch the ingredients. So you do have to, somebody's like, I I said, like, it feels like a full-time job. I'm like, right. 
that's the system. That's the broken system. It shouldn't be this hard, right? It shouldn't be this hard, but we've also really kind of been trained to lean on processed foods. And I mean, this is, this is a, this is a societal problem. This is a cultural problem. This is a, this, you know, goes, there's so many different ways that I could have this conversation. And I, part of the reason that I don't talk about this stuff that often is because I'm like, okay, well, we have to talk about privilege and we have to talk about food deserts and we have to talk about uh, the system at play. And we have to talk about the fact that, uh, you know, parents simply don't have time to cook all of these meals because our lives are so fucked. You know, like I get it. And also I'm just here to deliver the information today. Okay. All right. Like I'm not, um, I don't have my head in my clouds. Like I'm aware of all of these obstacles and I understand, like I said at the start of the show and I said a couple of weeks ago, like I get it. It's it's like fighting an uphill battle, but I'm still going to advocate for the fact that it's a battle worth fighting because these this is our health, you know, this is our kiddo's health. So anyway, so some snacks, some snacks, snacks, snacks. These are things that do really well in my household. So I'm going to kind of run through some ideas. Now, my website, Erin Holt Health, does have a lot of snack recipes on the recipe index. The way that I approach recipes, it's 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 like dump. It's like dump and stir. Like I am not like a really fancy cook, to be honest with you. So most of my recipes are pretty darn easy. Um, I have a recipe for ener- a recipes for energy balls, granola recipes. I like making my own granola just because you can control the sugar a little bit better that way. Um, Granola, like store-bought granola, really has a lot of added sugar. Um, We just kind of had to like, my husband was like buying lots of granola and I'm like, listen, we we all have to like have a, have a town hall in this house because look at how much sugar is in this. You know, you're just not aware of it. You're you're like, oh, granola, that's a health food, right? Um, Snacking cookies, Avocado pudding is a big hit in my house, a big hit. So it's basically avocado and cacao with some other yummy things added to the mix. Um, I I add uh, peanut butter a lot. I add um, protein powder quite a bit. One thing that I've been making, I've been making this for Hattie's breakfast, but also for snacks, avocado frozen mango or some other type of frozen fruit and then protein powder in the blender, but I blend it up real thick. So like a little, maybe a little bit of milk to thin it out, um, but you eat it with a spoon. She loves that. So the protein powder that I'm currently using is Organifi. It, um, it's a bit sweet. She loves it. It's a little bit sweet for me, uh, but grass-fed whey would be another great option. I'll oftentimes throw collagen into her things too. Um, we, I made this for one of her friends was over the other a couple weeks ago and I made frozen mango and coconut cream. I just put that in the food processor. So a bunch of frozen mango, coconut cream, which is the the hard stuff at the top of canned coconut milk, put that in and then like scooped it out with an ice cream scooper. It was a big hit with a friend. Big hit, big hit, huge. Um, we do a lot of smoothies too. So I just posted this one on Instagram. We were making this a lot recently. Half a cup of cauliflower rice, one cup of frozen strawberries, half of a frozen banana, canned coconut milk, and about two uh, tablespoons of peanut butter. The cauliflower rice and the strawberries are both really great vitamin C rich foods. Um, so, so that's a, that's a kind of a good way to get, get it in there. You also get, it's the, it's a sweet treat. It tastes sweet, but it has fat. It has fiber. It has nutrients, right? I'm not saying, I'm not anti-sweet. I'm not anti-enjoy your food. I'm not like, let them have sweet treats. I'm just saying like, can the sweet treats also provide some nutrients for their growing bodies? Um, We do. We kind of discovered this by mistake. I like the acai packets. So I always buy unsweetened acai. Acai is a, is a, um, it's a really antioxidant rich food. It's great. You've heard me talk about acromancia on the show before. If you listen to the show, acromancia is one of our gut bugs, super important for building strong and healthy guts. And polyphenols in acai actually help to feed acromancia. So I love me some acai. Um, I accidentally bought the unsweetened. So I think it's just the original. And Hattie found it. She's like, what's this? And she started eating it like popsicles and she loves them. So I buy them for her. There's 12 grams of sugar in uh, one of those. And I think somebody posted it like, or like asked me like, isn't that a lot of sugar? And yeah, but I'm always thinking about everything in context. Like how much sugar is she getting elsewhere in the day? You know, is, is everything she's eating throughout the course of the day, does it all have added sugar? Um, and then I'm also thinking about like the context within the food itself, that uh, acai packs a mean 
punch nutritionally, right? So yeah, it's 12 grams of sugar, but she's also getting a little fat, tiny bit of protein, and like a bunch of antioxidants versus if you think about eating, I don't know, Annie's bunny fruit snacks, you're just getting sugar, right? There's really no redeeming qualities there. So it's like sugar in the context of um, of a whole nutrient-dense food isn't going to be as problematic in my eyes as like just sugar, um, especially if that's like really the only big sugar item she's getting the, during the day. And, you know, we all have to make our own um, our own decisions with our own kids. This is kind of where I've netted out. And I kind of take a similar approach with yogurt because a, a lot of Yogurt does have added sugar. So I always make sure that we're getting grass-fed Greek yogurt. Uh, Stony Feel has one. It's 100% grass-fed Greek. Or I, I didn't mean to say Greek. I meant to say 100% grass-fed. Um, they're, they have a plain option that's great. They have a vanilla. The vanilla is obviously sweeter. It has 14 grams of sugar. So that's kind of like, you know, a good amount of sugar for three quarters of a cup of yogurt, but it also has 14 grams of protein. So we're always kind of like thinking about the context. Other brands of uh, grass-fed yogurt, Organic Nancy's, Maple Hill Creamery, Redwood Hill makes a goat yogurt, all of those. Um, I think they have plain options. I know they all have like flavored options that are, that have added sugar. Um, where Hattie also, I don't do dairy. Hattie does. Um, so I always buy coconut yogurt. So I really love Kulina, Anita's and Koyo. Those are my three faves and Hattie will eat those as well. And those do not have any added sugar if you're buying the plain version, which is what I always do. So, um, so just kind of keep that in mind. Other snack options that we do, uh, organic celery with peanut butter, uh, uh, always 100% of the time buy celery organic. It's one of the, the, the top sprayed, uh, uh, crops or, um, produce that, that is high in pesticides. Gosh, I am having trouble getting these words out of my mouth. Buy organic celery is like the take home point there. Um, so we'll do it with organic peanut butter or almond butter or sun butter or cashew butter, whatever's in the cupboard. And then maybe some raisins. She's a big fan of the, the old ants on a log. Side note, I don't really love celery. I like it cooked in soup. I don't like raw celery, but I was chomping on some of her ants on the log the other day. And I was like, damn, this is good. Sprinkle some cinnamon on it. Okay. Um, we do a lot of fruit. We do a lot of berries. Uh, coconut chunks. God, I love me some coconut. Um, she loves those. So just like buying a whole coconut and then using the meat. Veggies. You know, we do the basics. Those mini peppers, those organic mini peppers are so good. She loves them. Um, those are like such like a fun little kid food. Persian cucumbers, just because they like look cool, they're smaller. Um, sliced kohlrabi. If you can grab kohlrabi at your local farm, um, slice it thin. She really loves that. Uh, doing We do beets in the Instant Pot, so you just throw the beets right into the Instant Pot and um, we'll cut those up and she... She loves those. So they're just, they're just steamed beets. You know, you can buy those anywhere. Uh, I mean, you can do that any way you want to, but they're so easy in the Instant Pot. And you can buy love beets as well. Those are steamed beets. She prefers raw broccoli to cooked. So she likes to chomp on raw broccoli. I, I'm just like, Ugh, but you know, I don't try to yuck her yum. She loves it. Snap peas, carrots, you know, the usual suspects. And then with carrots, Rather than buying the baby carrots, buy the carrots from the farm. You know, get the different colors if you can. Don't peel them. The peel has lots of prebiotic fibers. It's going to help to feed their guts. Cut them up. You know, it's something, something to do that's a little bit different. Um, seaweed. So I buy nori sheets, organic nori sheets. Um, I love to make my own sushi rolls, and I'll cut those up for her. She loves them. Just plain like that. Sea, uh, sea Snacks is a really good brand. Uh, it's organic seaweed, and it's olive oil and salt. Holy smokes. Those things are so good, but you really want to be mindful of other brands that do this, the seaweed snacks because they use those, those sketchy oils that we don't want. So it's like, it's unfortunate because you're taking a really healthy food and then you're coating it in something that's not healthy. Same deal with raw nuts and seeds or nuts and seeds. You guys, they're, they're coated in oils. I always buy raw nuts and seeds. Always, 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 because those oils, it's like, how long have they been sitting there? By the time you're eating them, they're probably freaking rancid. Um, We'll do turkey or ham roll-ups 
with grass-fed cheddar. She likes to roll the meat around the cheddar. Um, sometimes we'll do that in the siete wraps, the uh, cassava and the almond flour. I prefer the cassava. Um, I feel like the almond flour kind of break. They're a little bit more brittle. Snack mates make chicken maple, um, like little meat bites. Epic. Um, she loves the maple salmon and the bison bites. She definitely prefers the bites over the bars. Um, so I love to throw those into her lunchbox. Trail mix, kind of like DIY trail mix. You can change up the nuts and the seeds, add some dark chocolate, maybe a little bit of dried fruit, definitely high in sugar. But again, think about the overall context. Same deal with energy balls. I like to make my own one. They're super duper easy. And then you could like mix up the nuts and the seeds because they all have kind of different nutrition profiles. So pumpkin seeds, walnuts, cashews, hemp seeds, flax seeds. You can mix and match and just do different things. Um, for granola, store-bought granola, I like paleo nola the best. Um, Hattie and Scott really love, it's uh, it's sprouted quinoa cacao granola by One Degree Organics. They love that. I don't know the sugar off of, on it off the top of my head. I know it has added sugar. Um, what else? Kale chips. Hattie loves her some kale chips. I always make sure that I uh, um, when I'm buying store-bought that they are organic. The lesser evil products are pretty dope. If you ask me, paleo puffs, oh, I can house me some paleo puffs. I love those. We used to, she's, she can't do corn, um, but we do, uh, food sensitivity testing showed us that, but we used to do um, a lot of homemade popcorn. So I would buy organic popcorn and then just cook it ourselves. We had one of those like whirly gig things. Um, then my mom also taught me just to do it over the stove. You just add oil. So I would add like a coconut oil or avocado oil. And then you put in the, this, uh, the, what are they called? Popcorn, geez, popcorn kernels. I'm recording at 6 PM. This is not when my brain is sharpest. I like never do anything this late at night. <laughs> so late. It's getting dark. Um, Anyway, you can do it right on the stove in a pan or a pot, and it works really great. Cover it up. And then we would melt ghee and pour it all over that. So that's a, such a, like an easy snack, and you can make it ahead of time and then put it into like different, you know, small bags. Um, applesauce, I did my Instant Pot recipe on Instagram, but that's on my website too. It's wicked easy. Mix some grass-fed yogurt in there. Super great. We do a lot with canned pumpkin, um, like canned pumpkin, maybe some applesauce and some yogurt all in a bowl. And then sometimes I'll stir in some collagen peptides. I'll add, um, you know, cinnamon to it, get a little protein, get a little flavor flavor with the, the cinnamon. She likes avocado toast. I'm a big fan of base culture bread. I found it at Whole Foods and that's what I've been buying a lot. Um, we're gluten-free so that, you know, and it ha it's made with nuts and seeds and eggs. So it's, a, it's more, um, nutrient dense. If you're looking for a really good recipe, the blender bread from against all grain is awesome. It's made with eight eggs and three cups of cashews. So it's an expensive loaf of bread to make. I will give you a heads up, but it's like tons of protein, lots of good fat. Um, I've, it's delicious. You blend it all up. It could not be easier. You blend it in a blender, you pour it into a bread tin, you, you cook it. Bing, bang, boom, you're done. I also, since we're talking about bread, one of my favorite recipes is civilized caveman paleo bread. I'll link it in the show notes. They make, um, banana bread, paleo banana bread. And it's just like, it has fats and proteins. It's just so yummy. So I make different variations on that. And then when I'm looking for kind of like a sweet treat recipe, I always go to Detoxinista website. She makes great recipes. Um, I will definitely say she's heavy handed with sugar. So I think she's kind of like trying to play to somebody whose taste buds are used to a lot of sweet. Her recipes are way too sweet for us. So I usually significantly reduce the sweetener, but um, her recipes are awesome. They're whole food and they're, they're super tasty. So there you have it. Those are my thoughts. I hope this was helpful, um, kind of a, of a brain dump, but I hope it makes sense as to why I'm saying, hey, pay attention to sugar, pay attention to these refined seed oils, notice how much you're consuming them, and then here are some different swaps you can make. You know, like these are the, these are the um, snacks that you're buying, maybe not the, the most ideal. Here's some swaps you can make. I hope this was helpful, and I will catch you next week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you got something from today's show, don't forget, subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and 
keep coming back for more. Take care of you.